guests, welcome. Uh, my name is Steve Wall, and I'm the campus pastor here. We're so glad you decided to join us. And uh, when you start thinking about Christmas Eve services, you never know who's going to show up at 3.30, who's going to show up at 5, who's going to show up at all. And so thank you. It's great to see such a great crowd here at 3.30. And we're going to look at uh, what, what she, that question that Katie asked at the end of that video, what is there to hope in this Christmas? And uh, we hope you'll see by the end of this service that uh, we have a lot to hope in, uh, in Jesus Christ. It uh, already feels a little bit like a traditional Christmas Eve service. Uh, Genesis is not a real traditional church, uh, and so the rest of the service may be a little different. And if you don't come to church all the time, welcome. You'll get a taste a little bit about what Genesis Church is all about. I promise you, though, we'll be out of here by 4.30, so you can get on with the rest of your Christmas Eve, all right? A couple things I wanted to point out to you. If you're a visiting tonight, uh, we are so glad you're here. Welcome. We've got a connection card. It's in the uh, pockets and some of the seat backs in front of you. If you would take a moment and fill that out, in just a moment, our offering is going to come by and you can drop that in there if you're willing to share any contact information with us. Uh, But if it's your first time, you've never filled one of these out before, we'd love to meet you. And so if you'll take this to the info hub uh, right by the exit doors, we've got a gift for you. Christmas is a season of giving. We've got a gift for you for being here tonight. We'd love to meet you. Just take this out there and tell them, hey, it's my first time, and uh, some friendly face at the Info Hub, we would love to give you a gift. When you walked in, hopefully you got this piece that says, but wait, there's more. Well, what we really wanted to tell you was there's more than Christmas Eve here at Genesis Church, and we wanted to give you a taste of what's going to happen over the next, oh, three months or so. Uh, We've got a brand new series starting in January called In the Meantime. We'll tell you more about that at the end of our service. We've got some connection groups that are forming in February. Uh, we've got some student ministry stuff and gin kids stuff. So we wanted you to take this with you. We tried to make it pretty enough so you'll hang it on your refrigerator and you'll remember uh, every time you go to get a glass of milk or something. We know after January 1st, you'll be going to the refrigerator a lot less often, right? But when you do, uh, you can go and see and remember Genesis Church and think of all the great things that are going on here. And hopefully you'll come back and see us. We want to invite you back to see us. If you ever have questions about what's going on, I just want to point you to a couple ways you can keep in touch. We have an app. If you search Genesis Church Indiana on uh, the Google Play Store on, or on the uh, App Store on Apple, uh, you'll find us there. Uh, we have a Facebook page, Genesis Carmel. Uh, we tend to post there two or three times a week. We have a Twitter account and an Instagram account, account, at Church Genesis. And so if you're on any of those social media platforms, uh, follow us there. And if you have any questions, you can always go to our website, genesischurch.me. Hey, in a minute, we're going to take our offering. And that's a, um, a little different if you're not a Genesis person. We celebrate the fact that we get to give back to God. But I wanted to tell you something first. In the month of December... Uh, We collected items in our Love Your Neighbor drive for an organization called Food for Souls. They uh, give food and clothing and other needed items to the homeless in Indianapolis. Every Sunday, they have a trip that visits several homeless camps in Indy. I want to tell you what a generous church Genesis Church is. And so I'll tell you that we collected over 2,500 items uh, for the homeless, including over 400 blankets, several hundred batteries, and $475 in gift cards. And so I think that's something to celebrate. So thank you very much, Genesis Church, for that. In fact, a week or so ago, we took this stuff over to Food for Souls. They have a storage unit where they keep stuff. And the way this works is on a Sunday, they'll go downtown and they'll meet and, and greet homeless people. They'll give them a meal and they'll say, is there anything specific that you need? And if somebody says, you know, I need a, a sweatshirt, a hoodie sweatshirt size extra large, then on the next Sunday, they'll bring it back to that same camp for that person. And so they have a, a storage unit full of stuff. Their storage unit before we got there was 25% full. It's now 90% full of things for the homeless. So thank you guys for doing that. Uh, I love serving at a generous church. And so with that, I'm going to invite our host team to come forward and they're going to take the offering.
Hey, if you have your Bibles, open them to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to start this morning. Uh, this morning. I knew I would say it. I knew at some point it was inevitable. I would say this morning. I want you to know that on my notes, at the very top of my notes, I wrote in big letters, it's evening. This evening, we're going to start in Luke chapter 2. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one of these on the floor around you. And this is our gift to you. If you don't have a Bible that's easy to read, take this one home with you. It's page 715 uh, in this Bible. Don't you hate to wait? How hard is that just to sit there in the silence thinking there should be something happening right now? Like it's Christmas Eve. Doesn't he know we're all busy, right? You've got stuff to do. We really hate to wait. I, I believe we long for now. But we live in a world of not yet, don't we? I mean, we live in a world of not yet. We don't like to wait as a society. We long for now. I have a, my friend, Ben Krause, is the campus pastor at our Noblesville campus. And uh, Ben's son, Josiah, is six now. And uh, Josiah, uh, a couple weeks ago, asked his mom, how long until Christmas? And she said, well, only 13 days, buddy. And so every day he'll come up to her now and say, mom, you said it's only 13 days. How come it's not here yet? It's taking forever. Do you remember that when you were a kid? You feel like that? Kids in the room, do you feel like that? Like Christmas is taking forever, right? It's taking forever to get here. We hate to wait. Or how do you feel when you call a customer service line and they ask if you'll hold? Like you've got a choice, right? What are you going to say? No, I'm not going to hold. I'll call back later and wait the three hours then, right? You've got, you don't really have a choice. What about when you, uh, when you send somebody a text and you see those three little dots light up? And they just jump across the screen and they're going and they're going and they're going. And you're like, this is taking forever. They must be writing a lot. And then they just disappear. And like, there's nothing there. It's like, I knew you were writing something to me. How about when you're waiting for the avocado on your counter to get ripe? I've got a friend that says, this is how avocados get ripe. Not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet, not yet. Now, too late. Right? It's like, you can't, you can't win in that one. How about when you go to the drive through and they say, you know what, your food's not ready yet. Would you just pull ahead uh, for a moment? You ever get that? I have a friend that has made it his policy in life that he never pulls ahead at a drive-thru. He'll go to the drive-thru, and if they say, uh, sir, your food's not ready yet, could you please pull ahead? He'll say, no, I'm good right here. He'll say, but, but sir, it'll only be a minute. And he'll go, oh, okay, good, then I'll just sit right here. And they'll say, but sir, other people's food is ready. And he'll say, well, then you better hurry, hadn't you? You know, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere. Or how about when you're stuck in a traffic jam? That happened this week to anybody? What do you do? Do you you get out your phone and get out Google Maps and you look for an alternate route, right? And then if Google Maps tells you you are on the fastest route, do you still turn right and go through that little neighborhood that you think only you know about and try to take that alternate route? Even, Even when Google Maps tells you it would be faster to stay on the road with a traffic jam, why do we turn off? I have a theory on that because we like to be in control, don't we? We want to be in control. When you take the alternate route, at least you're driving, right? You're doing something instead of just sitting there. And even if it's not any faster, it feels faster because you've got some control. When you refuse to pull forward at the drive-thru, aren't you convinced that they're going to get your food so much faster if I sit at this window, right, than if I pull ahead 10 feet to that little parking place up there? This is going to make it happen faster. We love to be in control of the situation. Go to the doctor's office. Right? The doctor has a room just for waiting. It's called the waiting room. They don't make any pretense about it. You know who you never see in the waiting room? The doctor. 
right? The doctor never has to wait because the doctor is very, very busy and you're not at all. You don't have anything to do. So you've got time that you can go to the waiting room and you can sit and wait. And when the doctor is about 20 minutes from being ready to see you, we'll pull you into another room where you can wait some more, right? So we hate to wait. So there's this kind of waiting that annoys us. But then there's more serious waiting that can cause anxiety and pain and doubt. There's, there's the single person waiting to see, you know, if God has the right person in mind for them. There's the couple who desperately wants a gift of a child and they're waiting. And this, for them, this time of year can be particularly hard. There's the waiting of someone who wants to find meaningful work that can pay the bills and help them feel like they've got a purpose in life. There's the waiting that comes with illness or disease, like longing to see it go away. And there's the waiting of someone who's deeply depressed, just like waiting for that day when they can wake up and feel like there's some light coming into their life finally. Sometimes waiting can be really painful. But you know how when you go to amusement park, like if you go to Disney World or you go to Kings Island or uh, Holiday World, they have signs like these, right? They have signs like this um, that tell you how long your wait time is. I'm not sure if this is to encourage you or just to set your expectations really low or why they do that, but they've got these signs that tell you that. Wouldn't it be great if there were signs like that for real life stuff? Like, like from this point, it would be 18 months until you meet your spouse. You know, from this point, it will be eight months before you get pregnant. From this point, it'll be three years before you find your dream job. From this point, it'll be five years until your kids grow up. From this point, it'll be, I don't know, 10 years until your husband grows up, right? So it'd be great. If, or better yet, what if real life had signs like this one? Go to the fast pass entrance, right? You just pass all the people in line that have been waiting and allows you to jump right to the front of the line. Wouldn't that be great? Because see, there's danger in waiting, There's danger for us in waiting. When we like to be in control over things that we have no control about, here's what happens. We get tired. We stop trusting God. We start doubting that he has a plan for us. We stop believing that he wants the best for us and that he wants to show up in our circumstances. And there's danger that we'll take matters into our own hands. Well, tonight we're continuing our series called The Thrill of Hope. Uh, That's a line from that song they sang a few minutes ago, Oh Holy Night. Uh, Even... Every week in this series, we've been looking at one of those lines and talking about what it means uh, in the light of the Christmas story, the, the night that Jesus was born. And, and on this night, Christmas Eve, there's a line I want to focus on in that song. It says this, long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared. So the world was waiting for something Till he appeared. And as we think back to that time before the Christmas story, what we realize is that there were years, there were hundreds of years, actually, that people had to wait. They were waiting on God to show up. They were waiting on him to move. The the song says, long lay the world in sin and error pining. And pining literally means crying, that they were longing, they were mourning, that the world was a bleak place because God had made this promise to his people that he was going to send a deliverer. He's going to send someone to rescue them and it hadn't happened yet. And so while people in general were waiting for this moment, there were few specific people that had to wait longer than the people that we're going to meet tonight. Uh, Two people from Luke chapter two, a, a man named Simeon and a woman named Anna. 
And we'll find this in Luke 2, uh, starting with verse 25, if you want to read along. It says this, Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. This is an interesting phrase. I'll tell you what that means in just a minute. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Right, hang on to that. That's Simeon. That's one, one person. And then we're going to jump to verse 36, and we'll meet Anna, okay? There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. That just tells where she came from in Israel. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. So she and her husband were married seven years, and then she was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Now, why would you never leave the temple, worship night and day, fast and pray? You're waiting for something, right? She's expecting something to happen. So both of these people are waiting for something. They're expecting to something. Back to that phrase we talked about Simeon a minute ago. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. What does that mean? It actually points back to something that God had promised his people hundreds of years earlier uh, through a man named Isaiah. If you have your Bible, you can see it in Isaiah chapter 40. It says this, Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. See, the idea here is that God understood that there was something that was broken in the world and he was promising to set everything right, starting with his chosen people in Israel. And that's what Simeon was waiting for. He was waiting for somebody to come along and set this right. And remember, the Lord had told him that he would not die until he met the Messiah. So that's the idea here. Simeon Simeon and Anna were waiting for that day. They were waiting for what they would have called the kingdom of God to be established on earth. Uh, They were waiting for God to send what was up there, okay, down here. And we're told by Luke, who, um, if you don't know anything about the book of Luke, it's really fascinating because Luke, to get his account of the life of Jesus, he says in Luke chapter 1 that he interviewed the eyewitnesses to the events. So when we read the Christmas story from Luke 2, which my daughter Audrey read up here a couple minutes ago, uh, that is from an eyewitness account, somebody who was there at the time. And we read, Luke tells us, that Mary and Joseph brought their baby to the temple to be dedicated. This was custom in Israel. On the eighth day, you would bring your baby into the temple to be dedicated. And this is what happened, Luke 2.28. Simeon took him in his arms, this is Jesus, baby Jesus, and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight of all the nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles. Now, Gentiles are anybody who is not a Jewish person. Most of us are Gentiles. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Simeon basically says, I have seen the one you promised, so I can die now. So I can die now. I can go now. The actual literal translation of what Simeon said is, now you do send away your servant, Lord, according to your word in peace. It starts with the word now. Simeon, when he sees Jesus, says, now you may send me away. So this world of not yet, which Simeon and Anna had waited in for so long, had turned to now. Why? What happened? Nothing changed. I mean, Rome's still in charge. Injustice is still rampant. 
what happened yesterday is still happening today. Orphans are still fatherless, greedy, and jealous people still rule the day. Why is it okay for Simeon to die now because he's held this baby in his arms? The only thing different is this baby. This child, this this presence, the presence of Jesus is enough to turn not yet into now. And that was true for Simeon and Anna, and it's true for us today. The presence of Jesus in our lives is enough to turn not yet into now because Jesus is present even in painful circumstances. And I don't know why you're here tonight. Maybe your parents made you come or your kids. Maybe she won't date you unless you come to church. Maybe your husband or wife makes you show up a couple times a year. But maybe you're here because you've been hearing a lot of not yet lately. Like as you've been asking questions and you've been asking your friends, you've been asking people that you know to go to church and maybe even you've been praying, you've been asking God, like when will this terrorism end? When will the racism end? When will hunger and poverty be solved? Or maybe it's more personal. Like, when, when will my longings be fulfilled? When will this pain go away? Like when will he finally see things my way? When will she finally come around to my point of view? Hey, oh, holy night, that song we sang says, in his name, all oppression shall cease. When is it going to happen? God, when is that going to happen? Maybe that's why you're here, because you're asking those kind of questions. Well, just like Jesus coming into that first Christmas changed Simeon and Anna's not yet to now, Jesus, I believe, can come into your life and make that same change. Because when Jesus comes into your life, your your mess, your circumstances, your pain, your doubt, your questions, your loneliness, your financial struggles, your, your marriage problems, somehow your not yet becomes now too. And not, oh, good, now it's all better. Now, God is here. Now, I'm not alone. Now, I have hope. Now, I can face the struggles and the temptations and the difficulties, the the waiting in my life, because now, God is with me, and I don't have to go this alone. You know, um, my friend Bud Wall's here tonight. Bud's back there in the back, and many of you know Bud, and he's been here for a long time, even before we launched this Carmel campus. And when I first met Bud, he was hauling this oxygen tank around, and Bud and I like to joke around. He, he jokes around with me. He always tells me, uh, that message was really good last week, and I'll always remind him, I, I didn't preach last week, Bud. He goes, yeah, I know. <laughs> so I'm thankful for that. I, a couple times, I think I threatened to light his oxygen tank on fire if he didn't. But Bud would pull this, things around, this thing around, and, and I, I was getting to talk to him and pray with him. I found out he had um, pulmonary fibrosis, uh, which is a disease that has attacked his lungs, and uh, he was waiting for a double lung transplant. And uh, the guy was pretty amazing just to talk to him and uh, think about this person who's waiting for two new lungs in order to just get on with his life and do the things that you and I kind of take for granted all the time. And um, as I was praying with Bud and talking with Bud, I was always struck by this, that he, he, he obviously didn't know. And here's the thing. When you get a, lung, when you get a lung, double lung transplant, you have to wait for somebody to die. And it has to be somebody who is healthy before they die. And it has to have somebody that has two healthy lungs, and they have to be a match, and they have to be fairly close. And there's a lot of what ifs. And every week, Bud would come in, and he's waiting for his two lungs. And I'd say, Bud, do you have any news? Do you have any update? And he'd say, you know, I'm on the list and, uh, and I'm just waiting. And for me, that'd be hard. But here's the thing that always struck me about Bud. Bud would always say, 
but I know it's in the Lord's hands. Like Bud always knew, he, he didn't know what his future was, but he knew who held the future. And even in the waiting, he was faithful to that. And, and the doctor reminded him, and, and, and he told me one time, God reminded him, hey, you still got a lot of work to do. The doctor told him he had to lose, what, 35 pounds or something, right? Or more than that even. And, uh, and Bud was doing that work. And, but in the waiting, he was faithful. He knew that there was a time coming that God was going to answer his prayers. And I just always appreciated that about Bud. And so if you're here tonight and you feel stuck in the not yet, like if you're weary from waiting, if you're, you're searching for a way to experience now, I think you're here this Christmas Eve because God has arranged for you to be here. In fact, uh, Jesus said himself in John 6, he says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them. See, I don't think it's a coincidence that you're here tonight. I think God's drawn you here today. That even if you don't come to church on a regular basis, or maybe you've never been, maybe you've never set foot in a, in a church building, that God has something for you here that he's drawing you here, that he's drawing you closer. And why did he bring you here? Because he wants you to know that now you have hope. That now, just by opening your heart to Jesus and letting him in, that you can have hope in your life that you can't find in anything out there in the world. You're in the middle of your not yet. Jesus can come into your life and turn it to now. It's not too late for you. It's not too late to change your course. You know, one of my favorite Christmas stories is uh, Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Now, you know this story. Ebenezer Scrooge doesn't like Christmas. And in the middle of the night, he's visited by three spirits that show him, like, what it was like, uh, Christmas past, Christmas future. And then near the end, he goes on this journey with the ghost of Christmas yet to be. And after the ghost reveals to him, like, what's going to happen in the future, and Tiny Tim dies, spoiler alert, (laughs) that Tiny Tim's going to die, And then he shows him a gravestone with Ebenezer Scrooge's own name on it. He cries out in fear and agony. You may remember this. He cries out to the spirit. And this is what he says. And sorry for the language. This is the original Charles Dickens translation. He says, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of things that will be, or are they shadows of things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it is so with what you show me. In other words, he says, is my life determined to end like this? Or can I still change? Is there still a different way I can go? And if you don't come to church or on a regular basis, or if you don't feel in your life right now particularly close to God, it might be because you think you've gone too far to change anything about your life. You, you, you may be because you think you've messed up too much, you've waited too long, that you've made God angry. I just want to assure you, if you're here tonight, God, God is not angry. He is full of grace. He is full of mercy for you. In fact, 2 Peter 3.9 says, God isn't late with his promise as some measure lateness. He is restraining himself on account of you, holding back the end because he doesn't want anyone lost. He's giving everyone space and time to change. And so, if you're here tonight and you feel stuck in the not yet, I want you to know there's still time to change your course. That this future that you think you've seen, maybe you've convinced yourself this is real, this is just how it's going to be. This, this future where you see no hope, 
It's not a picture of what will be, but a picture of what may be only. And if you just depart from your course, the ending can still change. There's still time for you to allow the presence of Jesus in this world to turn your not yet into now. Jesus comes to you this Christmas and offers forgiveness right now. He comes to you this Christmas and says, I will give you a purpose now. Jesus comes to you this Christmas and points you toward eternal life. The only way that you can have it is in him, and he offers it right now. On this holy night more than 2,000 years ago, God signaled the wait is over. There is hope, and there's hope now. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I'm so thankful for that, and I'm thankful that as, as just I was praying before this service and we were backstage with the band and we were praying and it just struck me that we celebrate the birth of Jesus tonight. This same Jesus who would come and live a perfect life to set an example for us and then go to the cross to take on the punishment that we, we deserve. And on this night, on tomorrow morning, we celebrate, that's what we celebrate, that you sent your son to earth. And what a long and desperate journey that must have been for somebody to leave heaven and come to this very broken earth. And God, to think that you did that for us so that we could have eternal life and spend life with you, it's just a little overwhelming for me, quite honestly. But I thank you for that. And I know many people in this room thank you for that. We thank, we're thankful for the fact that we get together with our families and we eat and we celebrate and we give gifts. But in the midst of that, we know that it's because your son that we have, that's the reason we have to celebrate. And if you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I don't want you to wait any longer. You are stuck in the not yet. And you can jump over to the now. You can say, now I have eternal life. Now I have salvation. All you have to do, just pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you in my life. I invite you in, Jesus. I can't face this on my own. I can't change my own circumstances. I I know that things aren't going to change overnight, but Jesus, I need you. I'm tired of trying to live this life alone. I'm tired of the path that I've chosen. I know it's the wrong one. God, help me back on the right path. Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm a sinner in need of a savior. And I know that you're the only one who can save me. If you just pray that prayer, welcome to the family of God. We're so glad you're here, and tomorrow you have a brand new reason to celebrate. God, we celebrate everybody who's prayed that prayer tonight, everybody in this room who has made that decision to make Jesus the Lord of their life. We thank you for that. We thank you that 2,000 years ago, you sent your son from heaven to earth to come down here to save us, to rescue us, to show show us what a great father you are. Thanks for that, that we celebrate that this weekend. In Jesus' name, amen.